everybody, it's Dr. Sandy Laura Kramers, one of the surgeons at Visionary Eye Doctors. Thank you again for joining us for the EYE Show podcast. Thank you to all who have subscribed and passed this on, and thank you especially to patients who have been emailing us with suggestions and questions regarding some of the things and the contents we've provided. One of the most commonly, uh, one of the most common questions I get in the office and also uh, when we have YouTube videos and so forth is about platelet-rich plasma and platelets in general. So we've done a couple of videos in the past about platelet-rich plasma and how we use it as an eye drop. So I want to kind of make a little master kind of class on this type of use of platelet-rich plasma for dry eye disease as a drop. As many of you know, we've been using platelet-rich plasma drops in the office here for about seven to eight years now. We have what's called an IRB approval, Investigational Research Protocol approval, to be able to use that. And we've been able to provide it for patients because we know it works for so many conditions for the eye that's been published. I have a whole printout that I've done on previous podcasts of every time that the word platelet-rich plasma has been used uh, with the eye in terms of helping with corneal abrasions, helping it with recurrent erosions, uh, helping it with infections, helping it with dry eye disease. So we know that your platelets are very helpful. So we're going to dive into what platelets are, number one. Number two, when do we use it? I should say number two is what else has it been used for in the world literature? Uh, Number three, why we use it? And number five, uh, our results, including risks, complications, success rate, and so forth. So first of all, what are platelets? So Platelets are these small cells in your bloodstream, which have another name called thrombocytes that come usually from your bone marrow. Sometimes they're actually made in your lungs, believe it or not, but your bone marrow produces most of your blood cells. And these cells don't have a nucleus, but they're packed with growth factors, something called chemokines, cytokines, these special kind of chemical compositions that heal you when you cut your finger, for instance. So if you cut your finger, the platelets have this amazing ability to form a clot, a platelet plug it's called, also to kind of provide a little bit of an anti-inflammatory component and an antibiotic, anti-microbial component to heal that wound, to try to fight off pathogens, to decrease inflammation, to help the scar properly. So those are the platelets. Even if you have a platelet condition called thrombocytopenia, which is a lack of platelets, you can still form a beautiful scar when you cut your finger. It can heal well. You're not going to always have problems with uh, healing or having an infection. So it is true that platelets can depend on your general health. So we do know that patients that have diabetes, maybe their platelets might not function as well, but they still function. Or patients that have other issues uh, may have issues where their platelets don't work as well, but it still can work for conditions where we extract the platelets and apply it to another site. So we're going to go through that in just a few minutes. So what are the platelets, what are the platelets really packed with? Well, they're packed with a lot of what's called platelet-derived growth factor. They have nerve growth factor. They have all kinds of interleukins and cytokines, which really do an amazing job of healing tissue. So not only are they an anti-inflammatory cell uh, or or, are helpful with the inflammation, they're not only an antimicrobial cell, which is also wonderful. They really help with fighting off inflammation and infection. They also heal cells, which is the beauty of why we love platelets. So when we say the word platelet-rich plasma, what we basically mean is kind of a blood product we draw from a patient's blood 
we basically take away all the cells except the platelets, so it's concentrated platelets. And so those concentrated platelets have been used for years in all kinds of conditions, from injection into joints to help prevent surgery. There's been many papers about that. It's been used for years to inject into hair follicles to regrow hair. We know that procedure has to be done usually multiple times to help, but it does work. It, it's not a cure for hair loss because we all get older and things, you know, obviously de decrease in terms of function, but it can be repeated over time to help prevent hair loss and regrow hair, which is wonderful. It's been used to treat even arthritis. It's been used for kind of bone uh, growths inside bone, injecting, it, injecting the platelets into bone uh, to help with that. And it's been used for cosmetic uh, uh, resurfacing of the skin as well. I always tell patients, Kim Kardashian had a vampire facial. It's taken off as a kind of rejuvenation of the skin because the platelets can do that. Uh, they're not a cure for wrinkles per se, but they probably help a little bit with the skin look. And so they're not a cure for disease, but they help slow down the disease process. And a lot of times they really do help uh, in infection or inflammation. So for instance, when we use it, when there's a corneal ulcer, it really does expedite the healing of the corneal ulcer to kind of cure that ulcer. So it does work to some extent for that. But in other conditions like dry eye disease, it's trying to slow down the inflammation Inflammation help the, we think, meibomian glands when we insert it into the meibomian glands, but you're still living. Your cells are still dying, so we don't have a cure for aging. So they're not like a magic wand that make things just go away. They just kind of slow down the aging process and the natural process of the wear and tear on joints, for instance, will make platelets needed again in the future. So that's kind of how platelet-rich plasma works. So one of the things we like to do is talk about, of course, what do we, when, what do, we do um, when we use it for the eye? So first, of, of course, we try as much of what are the natural options first, warm compresses, blinking, uh, minimal screen time, using blue light filters, sunglasses, hat, all the things we talk about to protect your eyes in general, your corneal surface, uh, your diet, we talk about all the natural things, humidifier, HEPA filter, Xena dry eye goggles, all those things you've heard me talk about multiple times, trying to basically get the oil to come out better, and then as you blink, trying to keep that surface healed. We talk a lot about Zydra, Restasis, Sequa, uh, these different types of FDA-approved drops to see if we can decrease inflammation. And a lot of times those are enough and we just stick with artificial tears over the counter, non-preserved, or the or the FDA-approved drops, Zydra, Restasis, Sequa. What we find is that a lot of patients either can't afford those medications because a lot of them can cost between $900 and $1,000 a month if your insurance doesn't cover it. That's our number one complaint uh, by patients. Number two is it burns. Number three, it doesn't help. It doesn't feel like it's helping. So those are the top three complaints of the FDA approved drops. Artificial tears, same thing. It's not as expensive, obviously, but it sometimes doesn't feel like it's helping. So once we fail those drops, patients don't feel any improvement and they've tried it and it just doesn't work and they've tried a combination of them. We've had patients that use Restasis four times a day and it still doesn't do anything. Then we'll try things like punctal plugs if, that, if we can, if the tear film is not too inflamed. Uh, we're of course, thinking about LipaFlow, tear care, uh, IPL, probing. We're trying to do multiple things, you know, save the glands on one side, get that oil to come out, help with the symptoms on the other side, trying to keep that two-prong, two-arm approach to helping with dry eye. We try that usually first. But if patients feel like they've tried pretty much everything, then we generally will really push a little bit to think, well, let's give your platelets a try. So platelets are a very low-risk procedure. We basically draw blood from your arm, usually about six vials. The more we get, the more you get in terms of time you can use it. Most of the time we draw enough for three months and what we do is use the platelet-rich plasma first 
and we draw the blood. We have a protocol that's been published uh, before, it's been published years before I, I think I was even in practice. Uh, so it's well known how to make the platelets. And we use a hood, a sterile uh, kind of table. We only use, we only take care of one patient at a time, so there's no chance of cross-contamination. I would say it's, it's close to zero chance. There's always a risk of a human error, of course, with anything. But we've never seen that reported in the world's literature. We've never had a case. So it's very safe. Patients take, we take that patient's blood, we process it, and then we put it in the freezer. So when the patient's ready to pick it up, ideally the same day, uh, they're ready to go. So they come in these little bottles called the MPS, these tiny little droplet bottles, which are seven milliliters. We usually put about five in there. And they are usually kind of small enough to put in a thermos that you can travel the world with your ice pack like you would an insulin bottle. If you have uh, diabetes type 1 patients or type 2 even, uh, you travel the world with your insulin. You have these little kind of thermal packs that have ice. So we tell patients these platelets have been shown in the world's literature to be very helpful for all kinds of diseases, especially with the eye, but you can't put it in your pocketbook or pocket. It cannot get warm. It has to stay frozen or cold. We usually have patients throw it out after five to seven days because we don't want to risk any infection, which has not been reported yet with platelets in the world's literature that I could find so far. So it's very safe. There's only one case report I could find of an allergic reaction to somebody's platelets. And that was recently published in 19, sorry, 2019. Let me quickly just show you that paper. And that was a boy who was 14 years old who had his platelets uh, withdrawn in Poland. Uh, for a procedure where they were going to insert it into a cyst in his bone. So this is from Poland. The lead author is Mike, uh, Michael Latowski, and it was a case report. One case in the world's literature. And so this is a patient who had the platelets uh, kind of processed, and he developed allergic reaction as they were injecting the platelets. Now, what's a little confusing is that it says here, as the calcium citrate and platelets were being injected into this patient's body, he had this allergic reaction. So I'm not exactly sure if they gave calcium citrate at the same time, because we do know calcium citrate is used uh, to activate the platelets when we use platelets in a test, kind of withdraw the test tube. There's some calcium citrate which activates the platelets, so the membrane of the platelets kind of opens up and allows the kind of factors, the growth factors inside to come out a little bit. Uh, so, But this patient was allergic to the calcium citrate. So this is very rare. Now, if we used a different activator, which could happen, this patient probably could have his platelets because he's not really allergic to his own platelets because he has platelets circulating in his body, but it was the calcium citrate that's used to as an activator that he was allergic to. So that's the one case report in the world of an allergy to quote-unquote platelet-rich plasma, but it really wasn't an allergy to his platelets. It was really an allergy to the calcium uh, citrate. So just so you're aware of that. Now, we've had a patient just yesterday uh, email us saying that after she used her platelets, this is the first we've had in our cohort of probably a 1,000 patients over the last many years, um, who called us, who emailed us and said, you know, I had allergies with itching, uh, swelling of the eyelid. And so we wanted to see her to just say, well, let's take a look at this because we don't want to report this because it hasn't been reported yet. So we're hoping she'll come in, she'll give us some pictures and stuff. So what is she allergic to? Well, she has a history of mastocytosis. So mastocytosis is increased 
mast cells. Those patients tend to be allergic to a whole bunch of things because their IgE, their immunoglobulin called IgE, is a little higher because they have so many mast cells. And the mast cells have a lot of eosinophils inside them. And the eosinophils are the reason why you, you know, itch when you have an allergy and so forth. So she was predisposed to have an allergic reaction to her platelets. Uh, probably, that's probably the case. But we've treated many patients now with, with mastocytosis that have done well with their platelet-rich plasma. So we, I thought it would be very safe, but she happened to be that first patient we've had that has had an, an allergic reaction to her own platelets. So it's very rare. I don't think it, I don't think it's her own platelets. We don't know yet. It could be still the calcium citrate that she's allergic to. That's probably the case. But the only way to find out for sure is to give her a intradermal injection of her platelets without, uh, or maybe her own blood, or even just a test tube where we try to extract the platelets, just the platelets, versus calcium citrate, and we would find out what she's really allergic to. So that's that's the, our one case. But generally, platelets are super safe. The biggest risk, technically, is an infection, which has not been reported in the world's literature to date, to my knowledge, uh, because it does work as an antibiotic, anti-inflammatory. There have been a couple of case reports of autologous serum with causing an infection, but it was with patients who put it in their pocketbook or left it out too long. Long, and then it got contaminated and it's again very rare but it's been reported so generally platelets seem to be a little bit safer there is now the question just kind of moving right along in terms of risks I think that's really it in, in terms of risks so risks would be an allergic reaction which is rare we've only had one case um, one case in the world's literature also so we got to publish ours um, infection never reported it not working. That's the third, that's probably the most common thing that we would see. And even that risk is less than 1%. So most patients, I would I, I tell patients more than 95% of patients feel better with their platelets because that's what we've seen in our data. We probably have less than 1%. Um, I would say probably maybe one patient that said they felt worse with their platelets compared to their autologous serum. So they chose to go with their autologous serum. So very rare. And then the risk of it not helping is probably less than 4%, maybe even less. It's very rare. So we're going to publish our data hopefully soon to kind of look at that. But most patients feel an improvement. And we've had a whole bunch of patients and we just generally try to publish them on YouTube where they're literally we say like, wow, this has saved my life. We've had a lot of patients that say that. I know when I use my platelets, it felt wonderful. I tell my staff, they know this, I tell some patients, if I could swim in my platelets, I would because it's so good for your skin and your hair and your eyes and everything. And if it were safe, I would. It's a wonderful, wonderful natural product. So the question is, you know, how do you store these drops? How often should you use it? What are the long-term consequences? Those kinds of things. So generally, the way they're stored is in these little bottles. Like I mentioned, we give it to patients usually in their ice, like ice container. If we have somebody flying in from out of country, uh, we have been putting it in dry ice to try to let them be able to use their platelets. And they fly back with a special container, which does stay cold for sometimes, you know, 12 hours or so. And then they put it right in the freezer. They take it out, put it in the refrigerator, let it defrost, uh, use it usually six to eight times a day to begin with until the symptoms start to go down to the point that they can use it four times a day. We have many patients that usually can come off the platelets. They don't have to use it forever. We have had many, many kind of internal uh, kind of mini studies where we'll do platelets in one eye, autologous serum in the other eye. Most patients prefer their platelets. I think I've had one patient that said autologous serum was their preferred drop, so they went to autologous serum the next time. We've had platelet, uh, patients use platelets in one eye, Zydra in the other eye, platelets in one eye, Restasis in the other eye. We've had patients do platelets and zydra in one eye and just platelets in the other we've done a whole combination of different types of kind of internal studies and what i found is that the name of the game is still inflammation 
So anything you can do to decrease your inflammation, whether it is platelets, Zyder, Restasis, Sequa, uh, of course your diet, all the natural things we talk about, that really does help. And so we have seen patients really improve in their ability to tolerate the stinging and burning with the Zyder and Restasis and Sequa once they've used their platelets. Because if your cornea is raw with keratitis any drop is going to be excruciating, especially zydorostasis and sequel, which generally burns even if you don't have keratitis, which is inflammation of the cornea. Once you use the platelets and the keratitis is healed, patients can then tolerate the zydorostasis and sequel, which is wonderful because if insurance covers it, it's great because you don't have to still you know pay out of pocket for platelets because it's not covered by insurance. So we love platelets to kind of get people over a hump so then they can tolerate the other products that we know work. So these drops Generally, we know the sooner the better in terms of using it. We've had patients use their drops as long as even six months in the freezer that have found it to be still very effective. We generally will recommend it to use within three months. Some people have done as long as six. And so these are types of informations we want to publish so we can have like standards of kind of what's the right thing to do in terms of effectiveness and so forth. So generally, the bottle can be defrosted for about five to seven days. I don't recommend going further because we just don't want to risk any contamination. And then again, Again, we start off six to eight times a day initially. We've had some patients use it every hour and then they start to wean off. We've had some patients just use it in one eye, not the other eye. So we kind of do all kinds of combinations so patients can learn how to use their own cells to help them get over a inflammatory bout or in a keratitis or some type of pain so they can feel better faster. And so the next uh, kind of error of platelets is going to be now basically manufactured platelets either from a particular stem cell of some type of either uh, monoclonal type of uh, a kind of amplified uh, monocyte either from an animal cell or a human cell and then it will be available in the market where you can pull it off the shelf and it can stay without being refrigerated probably for weeks at a time. That's the that's kind of the future. That's what people are working on. We're trying to figure out a way if you cannot come to see me and you know to get your platelets well, can we send it to you? And that's, or you can buy it at your pharmacy. So that's the next thing that's happening. People are working on this because we know that the the factors in platelets are just really excellent in terms of healing the tissue. So that's where we are with the technology of platelets. I have presented. I think we've told uh, you've heard before the. Uh, research we've done where we insert platelets into the meibomian gland. We had wonderful success until the cannulas were no longer available during the COVID time. So they're about to become available again and we're going to start doing that again and hopefully publish our results formally. And then platelets into the lacrimal gland. So that's been done by Dr. Avila of Columbia, the country. Colombia, the country, with good success in Sjogren's patients. We've done about, probably now about six patients with Sjogren's syndrome, the same uh, injection, which does seem to work to rejuvenate the lacrimal gland. Uh, we did one patient that didn't have Sjogren's syndrome that did not feel it made him better, so that's why we only reserve it to patients that have sh proven Sjogren's syndrome. Uh, so that kind of idea of the platelets going into other tissues to rejuvenate probably is going to help, which is both uh, good news for those that have significant meibomian gland loss that we still have that hope and potential to regrow meibomian glands in vivo while you're still alive to try to help that oil come out better and that's where we are headed that's the next frontier of dry eye research is trying to get those glands the lacrimal gland the meibomian gland the goblet cells to produce more of its substance to help relieve your sy symptoms 
So in the meantime, what can you do to improve your platelets? The same thing you can do to improve your stem cells. And I made a video about that in the past of things like your diet, which we just had a podcast on that, talking about what you can do to decrease your inflammatory markers in your bloodstream, which do damage your cells, including your platelets. Trying to just exercise, eat really well. I think low inflammatory diet is the best diet exercise, diet, and prayer and fasting. Those are the key things that strengthen your stem cells. They strengthen your platelets. And of course, we're all aging, so we want to try to battle that. So anything you can do to kind of work on less cortisone, less stress, more prayer, more meditation, more exercise, healthy living, healthy diet, thinking cheerful thoughts, not having too much stress in your life, those go a long way to help all the cells in your body. So I hope this was helpful. Please pass this on. Please subscribe. Please send suggestions. And thank you for taking the time to listen to me today. Have a great day. Bye-bye.